Welcome this morning, everybody. Have your Bibles opened up to uh, Daniel chapter 3. I really hope that many of you have already read that recently and and have it in your minds, uh, because it is just a superb superb Bible verse, and I I pray that uh, it's already in your your mind that you've had it uh, in your thoughts and as you read it, you just had to slow down and read it. There's so many wonderful things in this passage. It's it's very likely that many of us use, could use a little reminder now of how God delivers people. Are you one of those those people that right now you need some hope? You need to understand that God is a God who saves. God is a God who delivers us from from all harm, from all difficulties. He is a God who delivers. Daniel chapter 3 showcases this. Daniel chapter 3 puts God on display as a God who saves. And today we're going to consider that. We'd usually consider this verse in a very particular way that God delivers and that God saves. But today we we want to challenge you to consider that it's that it might be in Daniel chapter 3 that God saves in more ways than just one. So have your books, your Bibles open to Daniel chapter 3. And in this passage, I I would love just to slow down and read it all, but I want to give you the little snippet version that I have uh, shared in the outline for us uh, today. And in Daniel chapter 3, you see this king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he is the one who has, uh, who has taken captive Judah. He has captured the land of, of Israel. And there are three, well, four men, as you look at chapter one of Daniel, that have come, that have been brought to the land uh, of Babylon. Daniel was one of them. He's one of our, our, our famous people from the past that we love to read about, Daniel in the lion's den, how God delivered him. Well, he had three three friends with him too, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were all in the land of Babylon. And when Daniel uh, was uh, in chapter two, when he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he was elevated to a very uh, big job in that land. He was a very important person, and he took he brought along with him his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these guys received very important positions in the land. Well, there comes a time then in Daniel chapter 3 when Nebuchadnezzar builds this 90-foot-tall statue. It is, uh, some of your translations might have image, uh, you might have statue, but it's a tall, slender statue of gold. And he tells all the leaders of the land to come to this statue. And he says to them, the instruction over and over again, you read in the, in the passage that it's, that at the, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king has set up. That's stated over and over again. When the, when the music plays or when the noise blares, you fall down and worship the statue. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
their answer to this was no, they didn't do it. And so somebody ratted them out and they brought them forward and said, there's, there are certain Israelites, certain Jews that aren't obeying. And so the, the penalty for not obeying, not for, for not bowing down and worshiping was to be thrown into uh, the furnace of fire. So Nebuchadnezzar has these men brought to him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing before Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is full of rage that they weren't, weren't willing to do this. This is verse 13, full, full of rage. And he tells them, verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made. Very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of, the, of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there? Now listen to this. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Now my thought on this is that, you know, one of the things about Nebuchadnezzar, when he went to all these lands, he, he would, his, his generals would always tell the people, you might as well surrender now because none of the other peoples, none of their other gods have saved him. So when Nebuchadnezzar has conquered the land of Judah, he thinks he has conquered Israel's God. He thinks he is better than Israel's God. So that's what he thought of Israel. Um, he thought that's what he thought of um, the Lord God. He thought I've already beat him. He's conquered. He's he has lost. Your God is nobody. There is no God who has stood up against me. I have conquered them all. I have beaten everybody. Well, we know that God's going to come along, and uh, Jerry Clark reminded me of an incident in one of the Marvel movies when um, Loki, um, I don't even know which movie it was, the New York one, Loki says, you, you can't beat me, I am a god, and the Hulk grabs him by the foot and starts slinging him around and pounding him on down on the ground and beating him up, and, and Hulk says, puny god. <laughs> Well, that's what God is going to do to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's a God. He thinks he is the mighty one. Nobody can defeat him. And God's going to just uh, bounce on him and say, you're, a, you're puny. You're nobody. So anyhow, let's see how that happens. Um, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have these, this wonderful line, uh, these wonderful thoughts that they share. And so let's, uh, let's look at verses 16 uh, through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. And they're so, I can just imagine them being so calm and so respectful. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, they're answering his rage. He's out of control, raging. You're going to, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And they say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, 
and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So, you know, their, their answer is clear. Our God's able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not worship your statue of gold. We will not worship your image. And here's a neat thing, I think. One of the prophets who had come before him, before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, a prophet who was, you know, several kings re, uh, earlier um, at the time of Hezekiah and some following kings, Isaiah was, was there. Isaiah chapter 43 Verses 1 and 2. I just wonder if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew what one of the earlier prophets had said. And here is what Isaiah had said in in chapter 43, verses 1 and 2. But now thus says the Lord your God, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Very distinct promise of God that he is going to deliver. And that was pointing them to the time that you're in captivity. You're going to be able to survive. I will be delivered even if you are in the midst of the fire. I I will not allow you to be harmed. Man, what what a comfort scripture should be to us. The word of God, it should be our guide through all of life's difficulties. Let us constantly be building up our own minds and hearts, our own lives with the word of God being alive and well within us so that we can call upon those words to help us and comfort us in our times of need. I'd venture to say, and I want to look forward to finding out for sure someday, but I bet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were holding on to that promise. And I think the Lord let them know those words of Isaiah when they needed, needed those words. So, of course, Nebuchadnezzar then comes along and he throws them into the fire. He casts them into the furnace of blazing fire that had been heated up so much that the guys who were tossing them into the, into the blaze, he lost some great warriors that day because his warriors were consumed by the blaze. They died. But then... Nebuchadnezzar was astounded, and he stood up and and started to say, he says, I see four men walking about, and the fourth is like a son of the gods. And this is that picture we have, you know, they were uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in the midst of a fire that is so hot that has consumed people that were just on the edge of it. And now the three of them are in the fire, but there's also a fourth one who comes along and is there with them. One like the son of the gods. And so at this point, Nebuchadnezzar, let's, let's read here. Um, let's begin in verse number 26. 
It says, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, and the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the, had the smell of the fire even come upon them. It's just an amazing thought. No harm at all, not even the stench of the fire was on them. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, listen to this, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielded up their bodies so that so as to not serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything of offensive, anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other god who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. So what a wonderful, you know, he's saying in there, the, he recognizes them as servants of the Most High God. He recognizes them as ones who put their trust in that God. And they said, and then he ends up saying, there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. So that day, God delivered. Let it be known, God is a God who delivers. He delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire, from the terrible, blazing fire. God delivers. Oh, how God loves us and how he is there for us, how he longs to deliver us in all of life's difficulties. He wants to save us. And in the end, above all, he wants to save us from our sins, deliver us from the fires of hell. And that's the other thing I want us to consider then, is that how many other souls were delivered from the fire that day? How many souls were delivered? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you got three, right? Well, there's a fourth one in the fire, but that was an angel or God himself, maybe Christ, I don't know. So though you have those three, but we've already mentioned them, but who else? And I want you to consider this, that the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego may have been the tool. It may have been the, the, the impetus of what led to something else. It may have led to Nebuchadnezzar, this great and horrible, terrible, high-minded thinking he was a god, led to him to believe and to repent so that he was delivered from the fire of hell. Isn't this a crazy thought to consider that the, that the king who went in and conquered, Israel, conquered Jerusalem and destroyed it in such a terrible way and all the terrible things that he brought on that land, 
isn't it an amazing thought to think, and it's almost like this can't be, that someday he's going to be in heaven? Well, maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego led to him changing his ways and his thoughts and to believe in the one true God. Notice in the words above, Nebuchadnezzar was talking about the Lord, talking about the, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and calling him the most high God. Um, those words that are uh, he used, are he called them servants of the most high God. He talked about their faith, that they put their trust in him, and he ended up saying there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. He was elevating the Lord God above all other gods. Well, I think in chapter three, you can maybe point to the fact, well, those were just words. Maybe he was just saying it, but did he repent? Did he actually change his ways? Did he truly worship God? He can call him the most high God, but did he really worship him? And here I want to encourage you to keep reading in chapter four. Consider chapter four, look at verses one through three. And I, I imagine there is quite a, a length or a, an extension of time that goes on here. I don't know how long Nebuchadnezzar reigned. But there's a lot that happens after his incident with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it reads, Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language that live in all the earth, may your peace abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. But just imagine this. this. This king who thought he was like a god uh, and wanted people to worship him, now he is saying, I'm writing to people, everyone on earth. Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language that live on the earth, he wants everyone to know about the Lord God. He wants everyone to have peace in their lives, and he knows that it can only come by getting right with the one true God. He goes on to tell about um, some of his experiences with David, or excuse me, with Daniel, um, his uh, one of the dreams he had and how it came true and that he, he rebelled against God. That's what he talks about in this letter that he's writing to all the people in the whole earth. In verse number four, and then through the rest of much of this chapter, he is saying, I rebelled against God. I thought I was somebody. I thought I was something, but then God humbled me. And I want everyone to know what the one true God has done for me. Look now at chapter 4, verses 34. Here is the end of what he is writing to everyone on the earth. He says, but at the end of that period, when he had rebelled against God and lost his brain, and you know he just went crazy and lost his mind, was living out in the wild like an animal. He says, but at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, 
and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to to me for the kingdom of my kingdom, for the glory of my kingdom. My counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. So God, when he, when he recognized the one true God is the great one and that he's nobody, then God restored him to his kingdom and made him great. And then listen to verse 37. The last thing that Nebuchadnezzar wanted everybody on earth to know. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are true and his ways just. And he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Nebuchadnezzar ended up with a great fear of God, a wonderful, healthy fear of the one true God. He exalted him as the king of heaven, and he wanted everyone else to know it. So as I think about him, I, you know, it's a, it's a weird thought to think about seeing Nebuchadnezzar in heaven someday. But I've got no reason to doubt it, having read that. I think it's certainly possible, and I would go beyond that, and I'd say it's very likely. And I, I hope that we get to see King Nebuchadnezzar in heaven someday. How did that happen? It was because of the faith of those three guys. And Nebuchadnezzar witnessed them put their trust in, in the one true God. And that one true God delivered, delivered them. And that led to him coming to know and understand the most high God. He rebelled against that and God reached out to him and brought him back and fixed his mind. But it seems like he got his, got his act together and got his mind straight and recognized the king of heaven and honored him greatly. So just consider that. God, not only can God deliver us from our difficulties in life, no matter what they are, but also he can use our lives and our faith when we really put our trust in God. He can, he can use that as a testimony to teach somebody else about Jesus. So let us stand courageously for truth, the truth of God, and God will deliver us. Even if not in this life, he will deliver us, right? And perhaps he will also save someone else because of our faith. So stand strong, my friends. Be courageous. Live with faith no matter what the world throws at you. And then also be like, be like Nebuchadnezzar and encourage others to know the one true God that you know. Stand courageous. Stand for truth. Stand strong for the Lord God the king of heaven. And if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to to listen to that testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. 
He wanted everybody to know the truth so that they could have peace in their lives like he had received. Be delivered from hell by having faith in Jesus Christ. Hell is described as a place with fire, but you can be delivered from that fire if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you need to know more about Jesus, you want to know how to live your life for him, then contact me, contact somebody else in the church later. But let this song be a song of encouragement to to get you to decide that you're going to take a stand in your life for, for Christ Jesus. So we're going to sing this song now, and please be encouraged. Make a decision for Christ. <laughs> 